Whoa, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Fan View Live, Real Fans Talk Sports. Y'all seen it. Y'all seen the clip. Eli Apple to start the show. Burnt toast for the Super Bowl. Welcome, everybody, for Fan View Live. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, uh, appreciate y'all subscribing, getting tuned into the page, you know, tuning into the podcast. Listen, I'm that boy, Fred. G Sports in the building. Nostradamus. There you go. There you go. There you go. See, there you go, baby. You in the building. Nostradamus. Try, be trying to tell y'all, man. Try to put y'all on game. Listen, G Sports was the only one in the building that basically let everybody know that the Rams was going to win. And why they was going to win. And why they was going to win. You was correct. Again. Joe Burrow was not going to be running around here like he was in the, like he was in the daddy backyard. Again, like he did with the Chiefs and like he did with the Texans. I mean, did with the Titans. <clears throat> you are accurate. The Rams' D-line tied their playoff record with seven sacks in the Super Bowl. Obviously, the last time that occurred, um, obviously, I think Cam Newton had seven sacks in the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow tied that record for seven sacks inside the Super Bowl. We got so much to get into, so much to talk about. Again, subscribe to FanView Live if you're on Facebook, our YouTube channel. Also subscribe to us if you are on you. I mean, if you're on IG as FanView Live, if you're on Twitter as FanView Nola, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you're on Apple um, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Also, each and every week, we do this show every day around noon. My man Coach Hurricane Hank can't be here today, so I guess I got to hit a brunt of this Super Bowl loss. We got so much to get into, y'all, but we're gonna start this show off with the Super Bowl recap. G Sports, I'm going to start it off with you. Was there any, did the officiating decide anything about this Super Bowl, or did the Rams just flat out win like you predicted? The Rams definitely just flat out beat these people, all right? I know I predicted that, they, that the D-line was going to have a really, really good game. Um, They finished the game with seven sacks, and they got the crucial sacks on that last drive. Von Miller, Aaron Donald, who is arguably the best player in the league, Made the play on fourth and one that sealed the game. All right, that, I mean that was that was the icing on the cake for him. Yeah. Um, and 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 showed up, you know, best on best. Right. You know, when it was time for him to make a play, and uh, Sean McVay had it mic'd up. He said, "Aaron's about to make a play." And yeah. That's what he did. Um, you know, it was. A, I knew it was going to be a good game. I thought that the game could have possibly got out of hand, and the Rams probably would have won by two possessions or more had Odell not got hurt. Right. All right. I thought that changed the the momentum in the game, but the the Bengals had all the opportunities to win this game. I, I I go back to some key moments where I feel like if the Bengals had had made a better decision, right? If Zach Taylor had not let this game get ahead of him, and and this being his first Super Bowl, kind of like how McVay did the first time he played, in the, he coached in the Super Bowl. You know, he watered down his leg the first time he coached the Super Bowl. I think that the Bengals might have been on the other end of this. Could have. I go back to the the first drive of the game, fourth and one, on midfield, and go, you for, go it. for it. Burrow misses the running back in the flat. Yep. And you you got it's premeditated that you're going to Jamal Chase on his fourth and one. Everybody in the stadium know that you're gonna find one in a, in a crucial part of the game. And Jalen Ramsey come up with the big back down. And so, you don't get it. Now right. you give this Ram offense with all this firepower half the field. Mm-hmm. Odell goes, scores on a fade route. They go up seven zap. Yep. You know, 
if they punt the ball right there and not let the game get too big for them, who knows if the Rams go down there and score on their first drive. Right. I thought that gave the Rams a lot of momentum. Uh, I thought when they got into the red zone, it was third and four, third and five. You clearly see Ramsey has blanketed coverage on T. Higgins. Burrow tries him. Ramsey knocks it down. Right now. now you got to settle for three. They could have called holding. Didn't call it. But let's go ahead. They let him play. They let him play. You don't try Ramsey right there. You don't try Ramsey right there. He, he, didn't, he didn't even have a, a, a window right there. Then they had a, a linebacker coming in from the inside. I just didn't understand why Burrow tried to force that in there. If you don't force that into the T. Higgins and, and, and try to and, and really uh, survey your, and go through your progressions. I understand. You might get seven right there. Might. So now you gotta settle. You gotta uh, you gotta settle for three. I thought the like I said, I thought the Rams offense got stagnant once Odell went down in the second quarter when it was up 13-10. Agreed. If he don't get hurt right there, I really think the Rams going to win this game by two possessions or more. And then the first play of the second half, T. Higgins gets called, doesn't get called for the face mask on Ramsey, right? And he scores the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a big momentum shift Chip in the game for the Bengals. They put him up 17 13, and then the next the next drive, Stafford, Stafford throws, throws a pick. Throws a pick. You know what I'm saying? It's a, but, tip, it's a little tip ball. It wasn't on him. Right. Somebody dropped the ball, tipped the ball, and they got an interception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but shout out to the Rams for not letting them score a touchdown on that possession because, again, that could have changed the game. Like they, limit the, they limit the Bengals to a field goal. If the Bengals score a touchdown in that game, we might be talking a different dance today. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and the Rams D line just kept on coming up big. I mean, another opportunity where. The, the Bengals up 17-13. They can go up 24-13. But what happens? Aaron Donald and those boys get another big-time sack on third down. Makes the Bengals uh, kick three, and they only go up 20-13. Yep. And the, the the player of the game on fourth and one. On fourth and one, McVay calls a speed sweep the Cooper Cup. He gets it, and the rest is history. I mean, we could talk about the pass interference calls on Wilson, and we know it was pass interference on Eli Apple. Right. But – I personally think the Rams still was going to score. I still feel like it was just destined because uh, you got to think about it. Stafford missed Van Jefferson in the back of the end zone. Right. On that first on first to 10, on first to go. He missed him on the back of the end zone. So I still feel like even if they didn't call that pass interference, I still feel like the Rams are going to, you know, McVay was going to dial something up and, and put him in position to be able to score a touchdown. But here's my point. The passing, the, the whole dependency on Logan Wilson to me did decide some of this game. To me, it changed the it changed the landscape of this game because if you don't call that penalty on Logan Wilson, this is fourth and goal. It's fourth and goal. It, it's fourth and goal, and it does change. We don't know what kind of defense. We, we don't know what kind of play McVay has to call because now we're in the moment, and we don't know what kind of defense that, that's going to get called on the Bengals. To me, that play did give the Rams a new set of downs, and it did change some things because the very next penalty, it it, you had a, you had a you had a offsetting penalty with Von Bell with a, a personal foul in the back of the end zone mm-hmm. to touch down the Cooper Cup, and obviously you had to hold a penalty against um, the Rams. Mm-hmm. Then you had the pass interference, pass interference penalty. To me, if you're just officiating, you don't – if you've been calling the game the way you've been calling this game, mm-hmm. I don't make that call on Logan Wilson on third and goal. If you've been officiating this game and you've been letting them play, let the players finish making the plays. Yeah. To me, it was a ticky-tack holding penalty. Now, the one on Eli Apple – your bad.com, your burn unit, you're holding the man from getting his groceries. Right. It is what it is. Right. I'm going to call that penalty. Right. But to me, we don't know what this game could have been if you don't call that 
third and, that third and goal penalty on Logan Wilson. Because to me, it's a ticky-tack foul, and I would have loved to see what McVay had to do on fourth down because he had to get the injury because you couldn't kick a field goal. They were down by four. I would have loved to see what had happened in that situation. I still think, and I do agree with you, it was a ticky-tack call on Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was absurd like some people saying. You know, you got people talking about it was no way in the world I was a pass interference call. And I'm like, all right, now you're going fault. Should it have been called at that moment of the game, especially if we're talking about this, the Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Probably not. Probably not. But And it was ticky-tack. But I personally think that McVay was going to draw something up and get them boys in the end zone. I just, I, That's just how I feel. But it's all go down to this. Like I said last week going into the game, Joe Mixon was going to have to have a big game, over 100 yards rushing. He could have had that. Had Zach Taylor in them, gave him the ball more than 15 times. Yep. He had 73 yards yep. on 15 carries and five yards a carry. On third down, you put Perrine in. Perrine in. And Why? I understand that's been your third down back all year, but you got to have best on best. <laughs> I don't know if Aaron Donald makes that play on, on fourth down, or was it third down, when he when he tackled Perrine. He tackled Perrine on third down. It was third down. I don't know if he I don't know if he makes that play on Joe Mixon. Right. Okay? I just feel like Zach Taylor in them, I understand that's, that's, your, that's your usual personnel group. Every game, and that's how you do things. Right. You got to put Joe Mixon in the game. They should have ran the ball more with Joe Mixon. He was getting positive yardage all Facts. game, especially with your offensive line not being that good. Of course. I thought that was a key factor in right. the game. You put um, Joe Mixon in the game. You give him 20-plus carries. Yeah. Who knows who how knows this game goes? Now, uh, J.J. says this. Bengals must have forgot Mixon was a player on the team because cause he was efficient, averaging five yards a run. Continues to yep. get the rock. They might have won the Super Bowl. And he also says, by the saying, can't be said if the call for face mask on Higgins when he scored on the touchdown. Yeah, if if you call offensive pass interference, that play doesn't happen and that change of momentum <clears throat> does not occur. Because that game, cause that, was the, that was the opening play of the second half. Yep. That's the very first yep. play. And changed the momentum it quick. It changed the momentum quick because you got to understand, you had that touchdown that after the, the, after the kickoff, which was a kneel, the very next, that first down, that very play, was an interception on Stafford. And so you start to see that, you know what? This is kind of going in the wrong direction for Stafford because Stafford just had an interception right before the half. He had that interception to Bates in the back of the end zone. So you start seeing the change of events. I do think this, though, from watching the game, just from watching the overall landscape, I think if Odell Beckham does not tear, I think it's been reported now, ACL, Mm -hmm. I think the Bengals lose bad. They had no solution. They definitely was going to lose by two positions. it, it, It was getting bad. It was getting bad. They had no answer. Because once once the Rams would have got up by two possessions or more, it was going to get bad. That D-line would have really got a, bit, a chance to tee off. Yeah. They probably would have ended the game with about 12 sacks. Yeah. I, I I think it was getting bad when Odell, Beckham, you know, it was getting bad because you got to understand, Odell scores on the first possession when, when they don't get the first down. Didn't, the very next drive, Cooper Cup comes down and let y'all know he Cooper Cup. <laughs> Bullseye, back in the end zone, the post. I, I just don't understand when it was in the two-minute drill, why Joe Mixon wasn't in, in the, the game? game. I, I just I don't, disagree. I, do, I, don't, I, don't I don't know disagree. if they asked Zach Taylor that in the press conference, but I thought that was like it was a it was a head scratcher. It was. Why wasn't he in the game? And I, again, I just talked about this a few minutes ago. I know Perrine is your usual third down back, and when you're in a two minute drill, that's what you usually have in the game. But it's Joe Mixon. It's Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon was fourth in the league in rushing this year. To me, Joe Mixon is. I mean, he, he's is, a really good running back. I just don't, and he showed it in the game. Seventy-three carries, uh, seventy-three yards on fifteen carries. I mean, he should have been more inserted into this game. And I think Zach Taylor just lost sight of 
how good he was and how much of an impact he was making in this game. I, I mean, I, I just didn't understand the logic of not giving him more touches. I don't disagree with that. And, again, there's a lot of things that factor in the game. Again, when Odell went down, I think a lot of momentum started to shift the Bengals' way. I think defensively, when I first watched those first two drives, I said they have no answer for this. Odell Beckham was getting open in coverages, whether it was a crossing route, whether it was a, a fade. You know, It did not matter. He was showing you. I think if he does not get injured and he continues on that pace, he's we're talking about him being the MVP of this game. And that was my prediction. Yeah, because he his was on his impact, way. He was on his way because his impact started early and often. And when he went down, you started seeing the Rams offense get stacked. It started trying to find plays. Obviously, Cooper Cup was still being, you know, a factor, but it, it was trying to find ways. And the Bengals kind of made their made their move. But in that moment, when you only got a minute 25 left, to me, it's all hands on deck. It's all best players on deck. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to I'm going to lose with Joe Mixon in my backfield. And for crying out loud, on fourth and one, die for the goddamn ball. Yeah. The ball hit your foot. Yeah. The ball hit your feet. Yeah. It's the Super Bowl. But, but, but again, die for the ball. Zach Taylor, why did you run the ball on third and one with four to three seconds left to go in the game? I, I, that, that I'm was assuming a, those two timeouts, he was kind of. Man, just, I, that, I, you need those two timeouts in your back pocket. In your back pocket. I can see if you was at the 30-yard line, 25-yard line. They was like right there at midfield. Four to three seconds left. Yeah. I think they had one timeout. I don't think they had two. But they, I know they used one on, on the Rams drive because the Rams had a quarterback sneak. I know they used one of them then. Oh, so they may have started that drive with two of them. But to me, if you're going to run the ball, I'm running the ball with Joe Mixon. At that point in time, no offense, I'm just going to have Joe Mixon on the field for every down. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose every best player I possibly have to lose with. I'm not about to lose with my third down back on this field and my best running backs on the sidelines. Right. It's just not about to happen. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose all, all players on deck. Now, credit to the Ram D line because guess what? If Aaron Donald does not get there, um, Jamal Chase had, had Ramsey beat again. It, 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 it was going for six. <laughs> One day, you know, you and Coach Hurricane here, <laughs> y'all going to really start listening to him. What I be telling y'all. I try look, we can play back the team all you want. <laughs> I said, if the Bengals get a hundred yards or more rushing from Joe Mixon, then we're gonna have a good chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. I said, if you allow the Rams D line to get eight or nine sacks or more, they might put up the most points in Super Bowl history in the last 10 years. Now, they only had seven sacks. So yeah. technically, I wasn't wrong. You were wrong. And Odell Beckham got hurt. So True. Like we just said, if Odell don't get hurt, I really think these people put up about 35, 42 points in the Super Bowl. I really do. I think the game, I think that game, if Odell Beckham doesn't get hurt, my my honest opinion is this. Matthew Stafford does not make try to make that play down the field in the back of the end zone. Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson. I Jesse that, Bates made a hell of a play on that. Oh, on heck, heck of a play. Hell heck of a play. play. Heck of a play. But I don't think that play occurs. I don't think he tries to make that play. I don't think he tries to, they don't call that up. The way Odell Beckham was playing. Shit, Odell Beckham was wide open on the play he tore the Achilles on. I mean, tore the ACL on. He was wide open. Mm-hmm. Wide open on a crossing route. Yep. It just so happened that he caught the ball, he felt the knee, and it was like, ah. Mm-hmm. He was about to run for another 10 to 15 more yards. They had no answer for him. None. It was like the, it's like the Bengals would say, you know what? We're going to try to disguise and make sure Cooper Cup is limited, but don't worry about Odell Beckham. Y'all forgot. they Odell, He's Odell Beckham. Yeah. They forgot fast. School St. Clair says maybe it was the quarterback for MVP again, like the Seahawks. You can't tell me a running back getting five yards of carry just randomly sit out at the end of the game and start running the ball. 
you know, Scoop, man, that's a good point. Good but point. I, I just really think that Zach Taylor overthought this this game plan and, and, the, and the play calling. Yeah. Because you know you got Jamal Chase, who's arguably a top three, top four receiver in the league. You got T. Higgins, who's a thousand yard receiver. You got Tyler Boyd, who's a really good third complimentary receiver. And you got Joe Burrow, who's been playing really good throughout this playoffs and throughout this season and got you to this point. So you feeling like I gotta put it all on them. Right. But Joe Mixon was having a good, good game. game. And, and sometimes, you know, and Sean McVay talked about it when he when he coached in his first Super Bowl, how the game is going so fast and 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 you kind of forget uh you lose you, composure. Not only lose composure, but you kind of forget what got you there. Right. You kind of forget certain things that that you that you did all season that got you to this point. And I think that's what happened with Zach Taylor. I just think he got caught. I think he was afraid of the of, of the Rams front seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but you saw success from Joe Mixon in this game. So yeah, you know, I point to that as one of the key uh, components into right. why the Bengals didn't win this game. Uh, and again, I I don't want to take anything away from Joe Mixon, but. I don't think even then he would have been a Super Bowl MVP if the Bengals would have won the game. I do think at that point in time, if they would have won that game, I think that they'd have probably still awarded it to Joe Burrow. Not because of what Joe Burrow did, but you got to take the play that, okay, he was going to get credit for the bomb that T. Higgins had for the touchdown, right? Um, He was also going to get credit for the play that he threw to Jamal Chase. That Heck of a catch by Jamal Chase. Heck of a catch. Heck of a catch in the Super Bowl. Heck of a catch. I mean – to really palm that ball with one hand to come down and, you know, trip and fall down and how he beat the Jalen Rams on that plate. He continues to ascend it throughout the season. Listen, listen, top five receiver. I don't want to hear nothing about it. I don't care how many guys have been playing right now. He's in my top five list, hands down. I, it's just been one season. Boy, I don't, I've only seen one rookie season like that, boy, and that guy wore 84 for Minnesota. It is what it is. So, because those two guys didn't have an abundance of plays in that game, Joe Joe Burrow would have got the credit for those plays. So I think Joe, if the Bengals win the game, I think Joe Burrow would have got MVP because you got to start thinking about the amount of the plays that happened in the game, the amount of touchdowns that happened that Joe Burrow been been accounted for for those plays. So it's not to take the win away from Joe Joe Mixon, but I don't think Joe Mixon, based upon the game that he had, would have been a Super Bowl MVP. Cooper Cup had two receiving touchdowns that gave you a big indication that he could be Super Bowl MVP. He had over nine catches. He still had less than 100 yards, but he had two touchdowns to change the game. And plus, it's what he did on that last drive to get the Rams in field goal, to get in position to score, in, a, in addition to having the game win a touchdown. So you got to give Cooper Cup the credit for winning Super Bowl MVP for the game. But I think Joe Burrow would have won it if they would have won it. If they'd have got to field goal range, or, or even if he'd have made the play to chase. On that last, on that fourth to one, if he'd have had the time, I mean, the, come on now, the, the Bengals. I mean, Aaron Donald just bull rushing. Aaron Donald wouldn't even bull rushing y'all from the side. He just came up the gut with y'all. Just, just deal with it. Y'all, y'all, they had no solution. Um, so I think Joe Burrow would have won Super Bowl MVP if the Bengals would have won it. My position is this: that I think that the officials decided this game. I think that that third down play is a factor, but I don't want to. I want to. Dis, I do not want to discredit on this show what the Rams done. Seven sacks is impressive. What they did as a team was impressive, and more importantly, the Bengals had a chance to get the ball back and they didn't get their first down. So I don't want to take away the Rams' victory due to officiating because they got a. The Bengals got an opportunity to try. They had enough time to get in field goal range. They didn't do it, and you got to credit that Rams D line with Von Bell with Von Miller 
and what Aaron Donald did. Yeah. yeah. Got to give him all credit. Yeah. I mean, I tried to tell y'all this last week. Yeah, you did. Tried, y'all just was so so hyped up on, you know, smoking Joe. Yeah. He just knew. He ain't lose the playoff he game was, yet, G. He was going to figure it out. Moody lose, the man lose the playoff game since, since his college years. What do you want me to do? When you give up. What do you want me to do? When you give up that amount of sacks in the playoffs and you're going against a team that has the best, the two best pass rushers in the league on the same team, along with some really good complimentary pass rushers like Leonard Floyd and Gaines. Gaines, yeah. And somebody like Jalen Ramsey on the back end. He was getting torched all game. He made some big plays, too. He made some bad down. He made some big plays. He made some big plays. Got torched. I'm just saying, so when you think about that, I knew it was going to be really difficult for the Bengals to come in here and win this game. And I said it. I was like, the only way I could see the Bengals pulling this off, Joe Mixon got to go crazy. He didn't go bananas, but he had he had, he a, had to go crazy. Yeah. He, he, had to go for, he had to go for like 120, like two touchdowns, and maybe like 30, 40 yards receiving. But Zach Taylor decided that he didn't want to have him a part of the offense. Yeah. I, 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 I got For whatever reason. Whatever reason, in the last drive, you got to go down with all, all best players on deck, and he didn't do that. Again, when you're in those moments, you, you get defined. And I think Zach Taylor has defined himself to be a very good head coach in his league, but obviously, you know, time will tell as time goes on. You know, I think he rose to the occasion. He coached a very good game. He just didn't coach the best he possibly could coach in that moment. He has a very – the Bengals have a very good football team, and we're looking forward to them for seasons to come. But moving on, we're not talking about the Bengals no more. Let's talk about Matthew Stafford, G Sports. There's been a lot of conversation about Matthew Stafford now finally getting the monkey off his back, getting that getting that pressure off of him, being in the lead 13 years. How good is Matthew Stafford? Watching all these seasons in the Detroit, not having a playoff victory, getting traded for two first-round picks in the former first overall pick, and then getting to Sean McVay and getting to the Super Bowl, not only going undefeated in the play, but getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. G Sports. Is Matthew Stafford finally a top five QB in the game? And some people have been talking about he's probably Hall of Fame bound. What is your take about Matthew Stafford being a top five QB and possibly being a Hall of Fame player? Matthew Stafford, numbers-wise, he's a, he's on his way to be a Hall of Famer, if not already a Hall of Famer, numbers-wise. Just strictly off the numbers. I mean, he got a 91.1% passer rating. For his career. Mm-hmm. He's the fastest player to get the 45,000 yards passing. Okay. Uh, he has a career 63% completion rate. Mm-hmm. And he's right at 50K for his career. And he probably got another six, seven years he's probably going to play. He's right under 50K. No, he's right under. No, Matthew he, is right under 50K. Yeah, he's right under 50K. That's what I'm saying. The blemish that on his record was he didn't have a Super Bowl. He didn't have any playoff wins. And he only has one Pro Bowl. So that's the kind of things people look at. Right. The accolades and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not Matthew Stafford's fault that he played for a terrible organization like the Detroit Lions. It wasn't Barry Sanders' fault either, but he became a Hall of Famer, so so is Calvin Johnson. Right. And and that's why I think that Stafford, if you look at his numbers, he's a Hall of Famer. Ooh. Just off his numbers. Gotta disagree. But when you what are you measured by? You measure by what you do in the postseason. And he he, he played in three postseason games. Prior to the Super Bowl, his first one, 2012, against the Saints. It wasn't his fault they lost. Threw for 380 yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions in the dome. It's not his fault that his team was bad. 2015, they played the Cowboys. They lost 20-24. to 24. 
He threw for 323 yards, one touchdown, one pick. It's not his fault they lost. And he had a 66% completion rate. Played the Seahawks in 2017. Lost 26-6. Threw for 205 yards, zero touchdowns, zero picks. Bad team in 2017 he played with yeah. for the, with the Lions. Okay? No more Calvin. No more Calvin. <laughs> now you come play with an organization that has talent, that has a really good play caller in Sean McVay, and what does he do? What does he do? Beats the Cardinals, who had who everybody thought the, the Cardinals was, was hitting good strides, and Kyler Murray had a chance to, to upset the Rams. You did. Continue. No, you no, did. no, no, no. You did. I said they was going to win the division, and he was going to be an MVP candidate. Never said they were going to make a run in the playoffs. <laughs> Stop putting words in my mouth. Took down the Cardinals convincingly. Then went to Tampa and took down the GOAT, like I alluded to last week. Not too many people do that. And he made two big-time throws on that last drive right. to put him in position to win that game on the road. Okay. Then you get to the NFC Championship. Makes play after play in the NFC Championship mm-hmm. to get your team to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now you get to the Super Bowl. And his stats wasn't crazy. Threw for 283, three touchdowns, threw the two picks. I really, the two picks that he threw. I One was his fault, one wasn't. I, I really didn't have a problem. Like, the pick he threw to Van yeah, Jefferson, he was just yeah, trying, he was trying to make a play before the half. I didn't have a problem with that. The pick that a Woozy uh, picked off, you know, yeah. Tip drill. The, tip the, drill. the, the ball could have been a little bit in front of him. But, drill. you know, the receiver tipped it in his, off his hand. A Woozy catches the pick. So, if that doesn't happen, I don't think he throws two picks. I got you. So, my thing is this, dude. Kurt Warner in the Hall of Fame. Kurt Warner, the league MVP, one of two. Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner, one league MVP. Okay, that's fine. Kurt Warner has thirty-two thousand yards for his career. Mm-hmm. Thirty-two thousand yards, one league MVP. Yeah, no, he got two. He got two MVPs. Yeah, league MVP. Yeah, he got two MVPs. Yeah, he got two MVPs. That means that means at some point in time, people recognize Kurt Warner to be the best player in the game. And Kurt Warner played for the greatest show on turf with Torrey Holt. Isaac Bruce, Marshall Folk. Show did Trent Green, but no one's nominating Trent Green for Trent a goddamn Green thing. Trent Green kept getting hurt. What you talking about? He played there, though. Trent Green tore his ACL. That's how Kurt Warner got his chance. Okay. My point is, I'm not saying Kurt Warner wasn't a good quarterback. Kurt Warner, really, if you want to be honest, man, he had, what, three good years? Three good years as a quarterback in the NFL? At, like, other than that, he, he was a solid quarterback at best. Matthew Stafford has been putting up numbers since he got into the league. It's not his fault that he was with a abysmal organization like the Detroit Lions. And it's and it, and it just shows you when you get into a good situation, and I talk about this all the time, particularly when you're talking about the quarterback situation. When you yeah. go to an organization, depending on where you go, is going to determine how good that quarterback career going to go. And I say this all the time. Don't argue that. Dak Prescott is considered a top quarterback in the league because he got drafted by the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. If Dak Prescott get drafted by the Texans, the Cleveland Browns, the New York Giants. Might be a bad situation for him. We not even talking about Dak Prescott. But Matthew Stafford played the hand he was dealt, got the close to 50K yards passing, fastest player to 45,000 yards passing ever in the history, got the one Pro Bowl, only one. I thought he should have got to the Pro Bowl this year over Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray missed so many games. Mm-hmm. And... Your first year out of out of a bad situation. Your first year, 
you win a Super Bowl. And you take down a GOAT and you go through a brutal gauntlet in that playoffs to get to the Super Bowl. And you get it done in the clutch all throughout this playoffs. That's why I think Matthew Stafford should be considered a Hall of Famer. But you know he has to probably get some, uh, probably about two or three more Pro Bowls and he might need to get at least one MVP. Here's the reason why he's not a Hall of Famer to me. To, for the, la- the, the couple of the last two things you mentioned. One, to me, I, I'm big on the NFL Hall of Fame. To me, I think it has the best Hall of Fame possible between all the sports because it's so hard to get into because being good is not good enough. They got a lot of good players who came in, in and out of the NFL and guys who had long tenures in the NFL but were not Hall of Famers. This is what I love about the NFL Hall of Fame. Everybody ain't going to qualify. Stats alone might get, might get you somewhere, but it's about the impact of your stats. Matthew Stafford has been the youngest quarterback to get to 4,500 yards passing. You have to give him that credit. Whether he do for Cal- the way he do for do the Calvin Johnson, not as irrelevant. That's the that's the achievement. But amongst his peers, when when was Matthew Stafford ever considered to be one of the best quarterbacks in his, during his duration? He was never mentioned to be a top five guy during his time of being playing. It was always Tom Brady. It was always Drew Brees. But why? All, why though, free? Why free? Because he was in a bad situation. Tom, listen, Tom Brady, Drew so, Brees, so, so Aaron Rodgers, all those dudes was in good situation. Pat Mahomes, all them boys is in great situation with good play callers. Listen, uh, 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 prestigious uh, organization. When you talk about the Packers and the Patriots, Sean the Payton. Patriots went prestigious prior to Tom Brady showing up. They went to one Super Bowl. There was nothing prestigious about the Patriots. Nothing. The way, the way Belichick started running that organization once he got there. That's him, that's a credit to Belichick and Brady. What Brady achieved? Exactly. They, they, he turned into he turned into he turned that into a first class organization, just like Sean Payton did when he got here. My point is, he went. Them those guys was in some great situations. Who did, who did Matthew Stafford have? Jim Caldwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else was the head coach of the Lions? I don't even. That's, that's how yeah, bad they, they were. were. Right, but they, they were just as bad when they had when they had. Uh, what was his face? The guy who came out of there, Barry Sanders. No one knows who was there. We know Barry Sanders. We know Barry Sanders. My point is, Barry Sanders put up some astro- astronomical numbers. But and and and, and, and Matthew Stafford stayed with the Lions. He probably would have put kept putting up numbers too. But you're not. You're measured by listen, what you do in the postseason for quarterbacks mostly. See, skill positions. You don't really get. You don't really get knocked if you don't win a Super Bowl or if you don't win an MVP. Quarterbacks, you do. So that's why Matthew Stafford hasn't been talked about as a top player, top quarterback in the league. But here's the thing, though, G Sports. Here's the thing: you can we can name guys that made it to the Super Bowl who've won it, who had good playoff careers, and they're, they're not Hall of Famers to me. Joe Flacco has a pretty good record in the hall, as a yeah, player. Yeah, he ain't a Hall of Famer. He's not even right, close. Right. Um, Brad, but that's not the in all be all. See, that's what I'm talking about: is is your numbers, the, right. the accolades, and do you have a ring? Russell Wilson. Has a pretty good record, and he's a pretty good player. He's not a Hall of Famer to me. No, he don't have the numbers. But, but he, don't, he don't have a, he don't have the numbers that Matthew Stafford have. Yeah, but he's played less seasons so far. Yeah, I'm just saying he don't but, have the numbers though. But, but, but I'm saying that on you know, his current trajectory, he's not a Hall of Famer. What I'm getting at is this: to me, to get into the NFL Hall of Fame, to me, you got to push the envelope. You got to think. To me, you got to get you got to surpass some of the guys that are already in that position. You cannot just get there because you were good. You got to, at some point in time, think about the guys who made the Hall of Fame, right? John Elway, Brett Favre, Dan Marino, right? Those are some of the guys that came in the game from the 80s into the 90s, right? 
you got to start pushing their numbers, their statistics out of the water. And then you got to blow them off the top, but you got to start surpassing what some of these guys to me. That's like, that's like Eli Manning to me. Eli Manning to me is not a Hall of Famer. He's just not. You don't have the numbers. Eli Manning those, has, has those. You don't have the numbers Matthew Stafford going ha- has and going to have. Okay. You don't have that. Eli Manning has, what, 57, 58,000 yards passing? At the time when he retired, he was fifth all-time? Okay. Yeah, but to me, he ain't a Hall of Famer because right. to me, he done nothing during the regular season. He was never considered to be a top-ranked quarterback at the end of the years he played. And th- th- every time they made the playoffs, there was a low seed, and it's not having to make it run thanks to that D-line. Eli Manning ain't a Hall of Famer. But here's what I'm trying to say. They're going to have guys who are going to have the numbers, and they're going to have guys who have the achievements. Like, I'll give you credit. Let's look at Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is going to have the numbers. Matt Ryan actually has the MVPs and the Pro Bowl. Right. He's going to have everything Matthew Stafford has right. except that Super Bowl ring. And to me, he's not a Hall and of Famer. And he got a league MVP. And he got a league yeah. MVP. Yeah. He got a league MVP. Yeah. And to me, he's not a Hall of Famer. Why not? He's not. Why? Because he don't have a Super Bowl? No. Why? Why he's not a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Because there's nothing about the envelope that Matt Ryan has done Throughout his tenure, they say to myself, "Man, that guy's a hall." See, that's all. That's all. He's good. That's 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 that's, that's good. But he's a lot of people's problem when we talk about sports. See, y'all get caught up with what's going on right now. It's not. It's not Matt Ryan's fault that Julio Jones was hurt before he left the code of the Titans. Julio Jones kept getting hurt the last three years. He was in Atlanta, so you was missing your number one receiver all that time, and then you were bringing in Calvin Ridley, who was a rookie trying to figure it out, and then started to figure it out. And what did he do? Take the whole year off this year. And then they, they changed head coaches three or four times since he's been there. And so you got to. He's been there third, 14 seasons. He had he, three head coaches. He's cha- and they changed OCs a lot too. My point is this. Not a Hall of Famer. Matt Ryan is a Hall of Famer from a, from a statistical standpoint. He just don't have a Super Bowl. He got an MVP. He has multiple Pro Bowls. Mm-hmm. So why doesn't, what, like, tell me what, just because he hasn't been having the success, well, team success. And maybe the numbers he was having years prior to these these last two years mm-hmm. that doesn't make that make him not a Hall of Famer now. Come on, man. No, he's stop the, being a prisoner of the moment. No, at the end of the day, when you start comparing the Hall of Fame position, here's how I look at it. Think about some of the guys that's already in at his position. They got 26 quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. Okay, now he's gonna be better than a lot of those guys because due to the era they played in. Right, mm-hmm. as you get older in the in the quarterback pedigree, it wasn't a passing league. We all knew it was a running back era. Right mm-hmm. now, starting in 2000, I don't care what anybody want to say, this was a passing era. So in terms of every quarterback that's coming into the game of football, they're going to have more passing numbers and more passing yards than yeah, guys who are yeah. in. Times have changed. Times have changed. So here's the thing: you got to start surpassing some of the guys who were the passers of the errors that came before you. Um, to me, if you're not, if you don't surpass some of Dan Marino's numbers, I don't want to hear about Hall of Fame for you. Dan Marino is the, is the standard. Brett Favre is not good. Brett Favre has over 70,000 yards. Dan Marino's the and, guy. And, and Brett Favre also has the most picks of all time. Yeah, but he, at the time when he retired, he led the league in passing yards. He was the number one. Yeah, and he threw. He threw in, and he, had, he leads the NFL. He, NFL history, he's number one in interceptions. He might be, but he had three. That, I'm sorry, that means something. That he means had, something. That's, a, that's, a, that's a little asterisk. consecutive league MVPs yeah. in that's, a row. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. Well, he is. Of course. I'm not saying that. But to me, now to get the Hall of Fame, being good is not good enough to get in the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of good guys, there's a lot of good players that's gonna play in this game. And I say to myself, man, that was a heck of a football player. That, that, that guy was good. I enjoy watching him. But when I think Hall of Fame, I, I think about your impact. What was your impact on the game when you were there? 
I don't care how good you were. Phillip Rivers is freaking good. 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 Very good. Is he a Hall of Famer to me? No. Matthew Stafford showed me this year. To me, winning the Super Bowl is not enough. It ain't about that. It's about the journey. It's about the journey to the Super Bowl and what he did to get there. And he did it in year one when he got out of a bad situation in Detroit. Because that was the thing. When we was talking about Sean Payton, mm-hmm. when we when Drew Brees was, talk, was, was saying he was retiring, mm-hmm. what did I keep saying? I said, man, we need to trade for Matthew Stafford. And y'all laughed. I said, I think if Matthew Stafford has a change of scenery and gets around an offensive-minded coach like a like a uh, Sean Payton, I think this guy could flourish. And he's flourished this year. And when he went That's to the Rams this year, he took that team to another level. And he showed up in the postseason, not just in the first and second quarter, but he showed up when it was down. He showed up in the fourth quarter. And when you – I don't give a damn what nobody see. When you – that was a, a, a Hall of Fame-type moment when he went into Tampa Bay, was blowing Tampa out. Tampa comes back. Everybody thought, oh, here come Tom Brady again. Here go the GOAT. You can't. They, they about to do it again. And what does Matthew Stafford do? Takes him down on an 82-yard drive. Makes two of the best, uh, two of the biggest throws he, he ever made in his career. Cut. And gets him to the NFC Championship. And then gets him to a Super Bowl. And makes some big plays in the Super Bowl. And now he's a champion. And that lets me know right now that Matthew Stafford, it, to me, He's a Hall of Famer when you look at his stats, and when you and when you look at what he did in his postseason, he had some clutch moments. Now he does need to add some more Pro Bowls to his resume, and he probably needs at least one MVP or, or at least be recognized for it. He don't have to meet. He don't have to win the award, but, I, I, but I, he needs a vote. He yeah, needs to get yeah. Some votes. I mean, I mean, because at some point in time, if, 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 if he gets listen, if he gets an MVP or if he gets three or four Pro Bowls, I think he's for sure first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot. First ballot. If he gets four Pro Bowls first or an MVP, he's first ballot Hall of Famer. Man, this dude by the end up with some stupid first amount ballot. of yards. Yeah, I don't think there's three first ballot Hall of Famers. And it's, and it's another thing people don't think about. When you talk about number one picks, it's so many quarterbacks that have came through the NFL that were number one picks that did not pan out. You can't say that about Matthew Stafford. When you thought about the Detroit Lions, you thought about Matthew Stafford and you thought about Megatron. Yeah. But Matthew Stafford has lived up to the bill of a number one pick. Yeah. Period. So you can say whatever you want, but, but this dude like, has made plays after plays for the Lions. Now, has he had some moments where he had some bad interceptions and scratch your head kind of plays? Yes, he has. has. Everybody has. But when you plan for a abysmal organization like the Detroit Lions, who management is bad, coaching is bad, you don't have the type of the right type of players in that organization to compete. What's bad? Matthew Stafford did the best he could. Being that he was in a situation. With the cause that he was dealt. So, so you come to the Rams and you give with somebody like Sean McVay who enhances somebody like Matthew Stafford who has a, a, a has one of the best arm talents in the NFL. And he showed it. And what happens? Now you got a ring. Well, again, I don't think if you're playing quarterback to me, having a Super Bowl ring does not is not the only criteria for becoming a Hall of Famer. If Matthew Stafford is playing in a Super Bowl for the Rams when they played the Patriots, they played the Patriots. That abysmal Super Bowl. They they probably win. The, they probably beat the Patriots. The, the, the Patriots played just as hard about the Rams. That, the, that was direct for the watch. So I'm just saying, if Matthew Stafford is the quarterback for the Rams when they played the Patriots the first time, McVay what, has two Super Bowl rings right what, now. What I say, what I'm saying is this. Period. I would give credit to this. Matthew Stafford is a key component to why they got to that game, and he's a big factor why 
they played in that game and the reason why they, they won that game. I don't want to take no credit away from Matthew Stafford. He's just not a Hall of Fame to me yet. There's still things that he needs to achieve as a player for me to put him at the quarter. Because here's the thing. Here's, here's what I'm talking about, G Sports. The guys that's about to get inducted into the Hall of Fame before he retires are the three of the best quarterbacks we've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning. That's about to start being the standard to get in the Hall of Fame if you're a quarterback position. So when you are not going to be better than them, people are going to stay saying, standing to yourself, you have to push this envelope. You got to put – you can't – listen, this is one of the reasons why I love the NFL Hall of Fame because it, it pushes the envelope when you talk about in, inducting guys that are coming behind certain guys. You don't have to be better than them. But the question is, when you – he played in that era. He's played in that era. The question is, I don't believe he should be a Hall of Famer just because he has good stats. I don't think Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. I think Big Ben is because I think Big Ben pushed the envelope. Matthew Stafford is 34 years old. He's probably going to play another six to seven years. We got to see. So if he's right at 50K. He's on the Hall of Fame projectory. He's right at 50K. If he retired today. If he retired today. What, he's seventh all-time in passing yards? If he retired today, is he a Hall of Famer? Today? Yeah. Not probably not, Maybe not first ballot. Maybe if not first ballot. he retired today. Yeah, he is. You I would vote him in. What? Yes. Matthew Stafford. I would vote if him he in. retired today. Yeah, I would vote him in. Not first ballot, but I would vote him in. You serious? Kurt Warner? He won MVPs. Let me ask you this. Who better, Kurt Warner or Matthew Stafford? As a quarterback? Yes, but not as a damn punter. <laughs> well, you, I, I can't mean you got to think about this. Uh, Kurt Warner is in the Hall of Fame, and he only has 32,000 yards passing for his career. What are we talking about? Because he got two Super Bowls? We just going, we just going, he got two Super Bowls and he got the two MVPs, which is a big deal. Big deal. It's a big deal. Big deal. So, because he got that, he's just an automatic, he's just an automatic Hall of Famer because of that. But, he's played in three Super Bowls. What about the longevity? He's played in three Super Bowls. What about the longevity? He's played in three. What about the longevity? The longevity tells me that he could not keep up and hold Matthew Stafford's jockstrap. Listen, it's about impact, G Sports. Tony Baselli just got in the Hall of Fame and he's played in there seven years. Seven seasons. Longevity ain't, ain't got nothing to do with you getting the Hall of Fame. My point is this. It's about your impact. My point. And Matthew Stafford has made impact. Where at? What you mean? Besides this season. What, Listen, like, the Lions, even, they ain't had no business even getting to the playoffs them three times that they did. That's how bad it was. He was a big reason they was in the playoffs. The big reason. And he had good games in those playoff games when he played with the Lions. And when he gets to a good situation, like he does, like he did player. this year. With somebody like Sean McVay, who understands offenses, who is one of the best play callers in the game, or if not the best play, play caller in the game, since Sean Payton is stepping away, Matthew Stafford game is about to go to another level. Watch next year. He might throw 5,500 yards. He's probably going to be an MVP candidate. We're going to see. I'm, I'm, Robert Woods going to come back. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know Odell, what's going to happen with Odell. He's going to be back. They're going to have Cam makers. I think Sonny Michelle's a free agent. I would, I would say this. Them people... Gonna be right back in the mix of things, and Matthew Stafford. I as long as he got Sean McVay, we gonna see. That's Matthew Stafford is gonna continue to ascend. He's gonna be one of those quarterbacks that we're gonna be saying like, "Damn, he getting better and better as the older he get." He's thirty two years old. Think about how what how his how his resume is gonna look when he's thirty eight. In six see. more years, 
Think about how many yards he's going to be the through for. Think about how many touchdowns he's going to be the through for. Lord knows how many Super Bowls and Pro Bowls he's going to be the got to by then. At that point in time, I'm looking to see now for his career, I'm looking at the accolades. Right now, he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that can't change. Right now, if he retired today, he's not. He's not in. But if he can stay with this guy here for the next few seasons, I would love to see what he can accomplish because guess he what? He ain't going nowhere. He in L.A., baby. I understand. He I, in L.A., beautiful I, weather, beautiful <laughs> women. Sean, him, and, him and Sean McVay are very close. close. They do things outside of football. He ain't going nowhere. I'm telling you right now, that's a that's a, that's a, that's a great marriage between them right. two. I and I think you. Sean McVay is going to continue to enhance and get him to ascend more and more as the season going on. I think Sean McVay season is going finally on. paired with the guy. That you got to think about this. Tom Brady is gone. Yeah. Drew Brees is gone. Big Ben is gone. So, like I said, I think he's paired with the right marriage. To me, he's not a Hall of Famer today, personally. But I think he has all the Hall of Fame criteria that you're looking for in the Hall of Fame quarter. So, so basically what you're saying is, Kurt Warner had two really good years. Three. He had two really good years. The Cardinals year. They lost the Super Bowl. They was, they was, he was good. He wasn't, he wasn't like no elite quarterback that year. He was good. He wasn't no elite quarterback. Let's be real. But... What you're telling me is all you gotta have, all you gotta do is have two really, really good years, two elite years in the NFL, and you can make it to the Hall of Fame. Versus somebody who has shown longevity. And I think it's even more impressive that the fact that he is with a bad organization like that and still was able to be a a, now, a top quarterback or statistical wise, statistic, statistically wise. Statistically. In the league. I thought that I think that's even more impressive. Statistically, he's been a great quarterback with a bad team. That's the part that I say to yourself, you know what? His, his him being nominated for it has gonna have merit. I'm gonna I'm I'm looking forward to what he can do with this organization and seeing what other achievements that he can have to add to that to that resume because he's gonna have to add things to me to become a Hall of Famer. But moving on from the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford. What's going on in Arizona, baby? Is there trouble in Glendale? Kyler Murray's gonna come out and start talking. G Sports, what's going on in Arizona, baby? What's what's your take on Kyler Murray? You know, coming out talking about, you know, maybe some things that he has, you know, that he's starting to dislike or whatever. You know, is it is it Colin Murray or is it going to be Cliff Kingsbury? Is there trouble in Arizona? I think when you talk about Cliff Kingsbury and Colin Murray, we all know we talked about it leading to the draft. draft. Those two have a relationship going all the way back to when Colin Murray was in the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. So they know each other. Right. Um, they're familiar with each other. What I think, what it seems to me, it seems like Kingsbury has 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 made Colin Murray feel like they're equals. And you got to be very careful when you're dealing with athletes yeah. Yeah. like that, when you're talking about a player and a coach and not even, when y'all feeling like y'all equals. I guarantee you Sean Payton and Drew Brees, you know, yeah, they was close. Matthew Stafford and Sean McVeigh are close. But I guarantee you they never made that Drew Brees or uh, Matthew Stafford feel like we're equals. I think that's what Cliff Kingsbury has went wrong at. He has made – Colin Murray feel like they are equals, and now Colin Murray feels like he can do and say what he wants mm-hmm. because he think y'all on the same level. And as far as the front office, I think that is just very bad by the front office to come out and let these little reports leak out saying that, you know, he's a prima donna and he's very immature. You cannot let that leak out about your franchise quarterback. Agreed. At all. That cannot. I don't give a damn. Now, if you won't say that about, you know, you know, one of your offensive linemen, <laughs> your, your running back, or your, one of your linebackers, that's fine. that's fine. You can't say that about your franchise quarterback. This is the key to everything. Yeah. And so, you know, 
I think Colin Murray uh, feels a little portrayed, and we don't know the whole story. Hopefully, some more reports come out, and we can get down to the bottom of it. But I just think that as an organization, you know, Colin Murray feel like they use him as a scapegoat, and is the is the owner and the GM and Cliff Kingsbury's job to fix this. And yeah, you know, if you can't fix it by the time the offseason come, you better deal him away because Colin Murray is the type of person to hold out the whole season. He don't care. He'll go play baseball if he got to. He does not care about tanking and, and, and making the organization look bad by him sitting out. He don't care about it. I, I'm going to say this, and because everybody in the media has had a position or opinion about what's going on. And everybody's throwing darts at Queens Kingsbury. Which rightfully so. There's nothing wrong with that. When you look at that playoff loss, it was atrocious. It looked like a very unprepared football team. Uh, and actually, the nationality, they looked like a very unprepared football team the last four or five games of the season. You know, when Colin Merrill was starting to come back from the injury, they just looked at very atrocious looked at very bad. The thing is this. When you got this situation going on with Colin Murray, who's not into his third year, he's about to enter his fourth year. Right now, this is extension time. This is extension talk. He is your guy. He is the guy that you can build. He, you're going to build your organization around. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you got to start really figuring out what has Click Kingsbury have done for this team to take this team? That guy wants to win. I'm listening to him talk. I'm listening to him. He's been like, ah, he wants to win. What are y'all going to do to put the right people and personnel in place for this guy to get to the next level? The way they lost, he didn't like it. He probably felt like they was unprepared. He probably felt like, you know, they didn't do everything possible to win that game. They got beat bad. And let's just keep it a thousand G sports. Let's just talk about the, the Cardinals situation moving forward. You got five top, the top five head coaches in all of football. Both of them are in the NFC West. Okay. You got obviously Bill Belichick. You got Andy Reid and you got Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Those are the part of your top five. The other two are in the NFC West. That's Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. Sean, Cause Sean Payton's gone. Right. So, this guy feels like as if, how are we going to compete to get to the next level when I'm looking at my division, my side, and looking at what's getting leaked out of here? How can we try to go out here as an organization and win when the 49ers ain't going nowhere, the Rams ain't going nowhere? So, I think at the end of the day, if you are an Arizona organization, if you don't get this all cleaned up and get everybody on the same page in the same accord, you need to do yourself a service and trade Kyler Murray. Because if not, and then be honest with you, just get, get all this under wraps. And, it, and you got to start really evaluating Cliff's Kingsbury. Is this team really going in the direction that Clint Kingsbury? I think so. I think, you know, I mean, he got him to the playoffs this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kyler Murray didn't perform how we thought he was going to perform. You know, against the Rams, the Rams, who eventually won the Super Bowl and went against probably one of the best D lines we've seen in the NFL in, in some time. Some time. So, I don't think the Cardinals. And then you know, you got to think about it. This was Kingberry's third or fourth year. It's his third year. Third year. Him and Kyler Murray, third year. So I, I just think that for them to be in that position that they were in this year, especially with Kyler, I think with Kyler Murray missed like four games, three or four yeah. games this year. I think they are trending into the right direction. It's just whatever happened at that after that playoff game has made this a spectacle. Right. And they just got to, you know, have some real tough 
uncomfortable conversations and, and get to the bottom of this and move on because they have a really good roster going forward. Yeah. You know, with Connor and Edmonds in the backfield, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, all going to be the, uh, you know, the best receiver in the game when he's healthy. Um, Christian Kurt, um, uh, the kid they drafted from Purdue, uh, Rondell Moore. You know, they got some pieces in place. And if they could keep Zach Ertz, who's not a, God Zach Ertz, you know who's yeah. not, you know a superstar tight end by any means. He's, anymore, he's really good, but he's very, very. They good. got some pieces in place, man. All they got to do is just go add some more pieces on the defensive side of the ball, um, and, and probably add another offensive lineman. The Cardinals are going to be right in the mix, in the mix in the NFC. But that's that's the point, G Sports. When you talk about adding, you still got Buda Baker. You still JJ Watt is a much older, older player. But you know, Chandler Jones is one of the best pass rushers in football. Yep. I don't care what anybody really wants to say. Player. Really good football player. One of the best pass rushers in football. I know people still want to talk about Aaron Donald and TJ Watt, but let me tell you something. Right behind them is Chandler Jones. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you got to add a couple of more defensive players on the defense side of the ball. I think you need to add a middle linebacker, somebody who could maybe control the defense a little bit. In the cornerback position, uh, you lost Patrick Peterson. And so you need to add another guy who can, you know, be a, a very good. The word's not – I don't want to use that word shutdown because we use it too loosely now, but a serviceable number one, if that makes sense. A guy who can make plays, if that makes sense. Um, they're trending in all the right directions. But to me, you got to start asking yourself, what's the relationship between him and Kingsbury? Is it, is it the right relationship for Kyler Murray moving forward? If Kyler Murray wants to win, it's Kingsbury, the guy that they helped them get them to the next step now. Right. You got to start asking yourself these real questions because you're about to start. Because here's the truth, G Sports. The market for franchise quarterbacks now, we both know ever since Patrick Mahomes signed that deal two seasons ago, that market is $40 plus million dollars now. That Prescott signed that kind of money. Lamar Jackson's going to sign that kind of money. Josh Allen signed that kind of money. David Carson's coming to free agent. He's getting that kind of money. That's the market. So you got to start asking yourself some realistic questions because you don't have too much time left. You got two seasons left. Because nobody wants to be even pay that franchise tag money when you can get this guy under contract now for the next four to five seasons now. So you got to talk ask yourself for you, the Arizona Cardinals. Is Kingsbury the guy to, to get this ship, this team, to the postseason and wreak some havoc there, or is Kingsbury not? And I think that's the part that they got to really figure out in Arizona because 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, and I love the GM and John Lynch over there, the kind of relationship they have. Obviously, they have already made it known that they're trading Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're gonna be rolling with Trey Lance, and they're gonna be moving forward there. We know what, but it, it's hard to, for me to think that Cliff Kingsbury is the. I don't think he's the problem, but it's the problem. I, I think I think you know he gotta probably go about how his relationship with Kyler Murray a little differently, right? Because I do think him and Kyler Murray. They are really close, and I do think Kyler Murray looks looks at him like an equal, and I think that's a problem. But it's hard for me to point the finger at Cliff Kingsbury when you've got this team to a, a, a playoffs in your third season, and y'all was and y'all trending in the right direction. So I mean, I can only imagine if they can get this right, how they will look next year with this offense. But here's the question: I here's the question I asked you before we move on. You got DeAndre, who's a star. Obviously, you have. TJ, you got JJ Watt, who's a star, former star, but still a star in his own right. Guy who still speaks public to the media, right? Kyler Murray is a star. Whether he speaks public to the media or not, is a star, right? So you got a guy on his team who's coaching team. Is he fit to coach these personalities? Is he fit to kind of coach some guys who used to having these, who are media gonna be in front of it? If Kings Kings better, there's some coaches who can handle that. I've watched Ben Vate now, Ben Vate can handle that. Kyle Shanahan can handle that. Mike Tomlin 
can handle that. The question is, you got some personalities, some stars on this roster. Are you the coach best fit to handle the personalities for this team moving forward? Yeah, you got them to the playoffs, but are you the best coach best to fit the, 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 the coach those personalities? Because those personalities ain't going nowhere. That's the question they got to ask. And that's the question I have. To me, that's still a question mark. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is the guy to help coach a team with personalities like that. He's not used to it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after this season, and we see how it, how it all plays out, we see if it has any turmoil down there in Arizona, if you see this thing going into the wrong, wrong direction, direction and there's a bunch of drama going on, <laughs> then you might need to think about making a move, move. from Cliff Kingsbury. But that, that's my position. But. Moving on, um, want to get to some NBA because obviously football is coming to a close. We'll be talking about football later on during the seasons, during the, during the upcoming weeks on this episode of uh, FanView Live. And y'all, don't forget, you know, subscribe to this page, tune in, like, you know, add some comments down in, 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 a sec, in, a, in the comment section if you're on Facebook. And also, if you're on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to this page. But we're going to be talking to a lot of basketball probably moving forward. So let's get into basketball, G-Sports. Obviously, we talked a little bit last week about the trade between the, the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but what is your position about which one of those teams can possibly make it out of the East? Or there's another team that could possibly make it out of the East. Obviously, we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, not the, the Brooklyn Nets. Or we're talking about uh, the 76ers. Now they got they got Harden. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets got Ben Simmons. But which one of those teams can make it out of the East? Or there's a, or there, you think there's another team to make out of the East? I don't think the 76ers or the Nets come out the East. I think it's the Bucks. I think the Bucks is the most consistent this year. I know they're third in the East. I think they might be like a game behind the Bulls mm-hmm. um, in the Heat. But the Bucks is the best team in the East. They have the most camaraderie. Um, they have arguably the best player in the league on their team. And I think even though the Bucks won a championship last year, they got a chip on their shoulder because everybody's saying that the reason why they won is because Kyrie got hurt in that game. And if Kyrie don't get hurt, the Nets supposed to be cutting down the Nets, holding that Larry O'Brien trophy up. And I think that is, you know, Giannis and 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 that and the rest of those team on you know with uh, Drew Holiday and, and Middleton. I think they taking that very very personal. Yeah, because y'all called it. Y'all called it. Y'all called everybody it saying they got an asterisk, asterisk. including me. You, I didn't. It's a small asterisk, but it's an asterisk. Ain't one because. You don't know how the rest of that series would have turned out if Kyrie doesn't get hurt. James played. So, yeah. right, right. So, I, I I don't take the championship completely away from him and say that, oh, my God, I don't count it at all. But it is a small asterisk. And so, I think that's their motivation factor right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to prove to everybody, look, we are the best team in the league. We're going to come out the East. Now, when they get to the finals, I don't I don't see them beating Golden State if they meet up with Golden State. If they meet up with Golden State – it's going to be super, super tough. But the Nets and the 76ers, don't get me wrong, I can't wait to watch it. Um, I hope they they, they 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 meet up in the playoffs because that's going to be box office. Box office. It's going to be a storyline for you. But yeah. when, you talk, when you talk about the, the Nets with KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, I, I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be really, really competitive. And they're going to give any, like the Bucks and the 76ers a run for their money. But I just don't think you're going to be able to win with Kyrie only playing home games. I'm sorry. I don't know if the mayor's going to come out and change that mandate of being vaccinated in Brooklyn. Right. But if you think you're going to come out the East and be the team like the 76ers and the Bucks with Kyrie only playing away games, you didn't lost your mind. 
The 76ers love Joel and B, you know, an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I like the way they've been playing defensively. Tyrese Maxey is ascending, and he's turning right. into a, a really good player in his league. But I just don't trust James Harden. <laughs> I, I don't trust him. Um, I, I think he's still out of shape. Um, he he has that type of personality where you just like the man because the man gave you eight seasons in Houston and, and he didn't give you he didn't give you everything he got. No, it's it's just it's just how you go about things and how you do things. The way James Harden conducted himself in Houston when he wanted out, and the way he conducted himself in Brooklyn when he wanted out, you just don't do things that way. I disagree. I showing up late to games, showing up late to practices. You know, you showed up late to a game, thirty minutes late to a game because you was in Vegas. If that's that's the ultimate slap in the, the face. face. And so if you don't think soon as something go wrong or soon as something don't go his way in Philly or Joel and B hold him accountable to something, just like what Chris Paul did, yep. and he got Chris Paul treated, that's what James Harden known for. That's what he gonna do. And it's gonna happen. Cause Joel and B, he gonna call you accountable. And when it happens, I can see James Harden shutting down. Oh, now I got a hamstring injury. I can't play. Uh just having that that prima donna mentality. I would go throughout the rest of the season. So I, I just don't think the 76ers are going to come out the East, neither are the Nets. It's going to be the Bucks. I will say this. I don't think James Harden's a bad person, but he's just played that he's a bad teammate. And so when things are not going the way the way he sees fit, the way things are not going in terms of winning in basketball, I think he's a heck of a competitor. I just think when things go south, James Harden will go be James Harden. James Harden will go take a trip to Vegas. He's going to take the trip when he's not closing and do what James Harden wants to do. He's going to live a superstar life while still trying to compete at this level during the season. And to me, that just shows signs of a bad teammate. Doesn't make him a bad person. Just mm. makes him a bad teammate. And so that's what James Harden is going to do. And I think he's done that when he had to be held accountable down there in Houston, like you alluded to, with Chris Paul. When Chris Paul tried to hold him accountable, he got him out of there. You know, and so and I think when he got traded, he got himself out of the Houston. When he got, when he got to Brooklyn. I think and, he, and look what he did when he tried to get um, when he tried to get out of Houston, came into camp like 25 pounds, 20 pounds overweight. overweight. You know, so I, I, that's, that's not a pro. You don't handle yourself that way. Exactly. You're supposed to be a superstar in this league. Exactly. So Brooklyn, you know, the 76 got their hands full. But again, he's going to put up a lot of statistics. I think he's going to probably be playing the one when he finally gets there because they do have, you know, Maxi, they still got Danny Green and they still got Tobias Harris. So they, they're missing the one because obviously when you move Ben Simmons and you move Seth Curry, that's the vulnerable position I think he will play. So I think he's going to be productive, but I don't see the 76ers coming out of, of the East. Brooklyn, they're just – it's chaos everywhere. Ben Simmons don't even know if he's you know mentally healthy to play basketball. Oh, no, nah, he's mentally healthy now because he's out of Philly. Of course. Yeah. Um, Kyrie can't play home games. KD, not fully healthy, the best player in the world. I don't expect Steve Kerr to get all that stuff together in a short period of time to make the Brooklyn Nets a competitive. Steve Nash. I, Steve Nash. I'm sorry, Steve Nash. I don't see that. So, they're out. The team I do have coming out of the East as of right now is the Chicago Bulls. It's Chicago. DeMar DeRozan is an MVP candidate. Averaging 27 points, I think a little over five rebounds and a little close to five assists. Zach Levine is on a tear down there. I think when it all comes down to it, those are your two Eastern Conference matchups. The Chicago Bulls, who is now the Bulls is leading the Eastern Conference with 38 wins. They're the number one seed. When it all comes down to it, I think Chicago is going to be the team that gets the edge and represent the Eastern Conference. Not pinning any significant injury. If you get an injury to Levine or DeRozan, you can watch the whole ticket. 
But when it all comes down to it, I think Chicago, chemistry-wise, is playing some of the best basketball power. Now, do they have any solution for Giannis? Not one. Not one. Giannis is going to be Giannis. But I think Chicago is going to get a handful to a lot of teams when they come out there and play their style of basketball because they can score quick, they can score the mid-range game, and it's the ways that they can score versus you know the way Milwaukee can score. It's kind of methodical. They got to kind of go through Giannis. Middleton is a pro, so is you Holiday. But they Milwaukee's points don't come in bunches. Chicago's can. So I give Chicago the edge when that matchup comes. Chicago's a cute little team. <laughs> cute. They're cute. Cute. Billy Donovan, cute little hairstyle, slick to the back. The Rose in, probably having his best career as a pro. Yeah. But the when the Bucks play them, if they meet up with the Bulls in the playoffs, their defense is just going to be so suffocating that the Bulls are not going to be able to handle it. And when you think about it, the Rosen really the only one that's been to have real playoff experience. experience. So I just don't see the Bulls being able to sustain uh, the level of success when they get to the playoffs. When you play against somebody like a, a Milwaukee, and even if they play against the 76ers, who's coached by Doc Rivers, yeah, and you play the Nets, you know, who you're going to get somebody like Kevin Durant, who I think the Nets will be good enough to beat the Bulls. Just on experience alone and if, having the best player on the if, floor. If you don't have Kyrie and you don't have that mandate lifted up, I can't see that happening. I, you know, I, I think they still could beat the Bulls without Kyrie playing home games. No. I, I'm telling you. Because the second, the, where the other score is coming from? From from, from the Brooklyn Nets. Somebody listen, else has listen, to contribute. They, the, on, Nets on, are on not, look, the Nets ain't going to have to score 120 points to beat the Bulls. They ain't going to do something. They ain't going to have to do that. They're going to do something. You know, they got you know Seth Curry, Aldridge. Um, you know, Ben, ben. you know, they, they gonna they gonna have enough. Joe shooting that thing, Harris. They gonna have enough. Cam Thomas is playing out his mind off the bench. He just had one special game. No, he been he been playing really good off the bench. He's solid. He been playing really Serviceable. good off the bench. Not more, not less. He averaging ten points a game off the bench. Yeah. So the Nets are gonna have enough to beat the Bulls. I That's not so. gonna be a problem. That's gonna be a problem for no, the Nets. To no, beat the Bulls. no, it's gonna be. Look, I'm not saying they are gonna sweep them. But it, they gonna win that game in a seven game. They are gonna win that series in a seven game series. I can promise you that. The Bulls just ain't gonna have the experience. They ain't. They don't have the veteran leadership on that team to be able to withstand the Nets. And you dealing with somebody like Kevin Durant. I'm just telling you how it's gonna go down. And when you talk about somebody like Ben Simmons, who is a a, a hell of a defender, he's gonna be able to neutralize somebody like DeRozan. Not saying he gonna stop him, no. but if he was able to neutralize Trey Young, what you think he gonna do to DeRozan? So I just think that the Nets is going to be too much. Trey Young and scores, the, scores differently. He scores differently. From I'm just the saying. I'm just saying. can score from all mid range parts of the floor. And if the Bulls meet up with the 76ers, they don't got a shot in hell. Yes, they do. They're gonna. They will beat no. them. No, they're not. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. They don't have a shot, brother. They don't have enough. They do. They they are a really good regular season team. They, Zach Levine needs to get some more experience. Kobe White, all them boys. Billy Donovan, you still trying to. You know, you still got some things you need to work on with yourself as a coach and in and, and late game situations because Billy Donovan has been known to make some bad decisions and piss down his leg in late game scenarios. So yeah. I just don't know. I don't believe in the Bulls. I think they're a cute little team. I think they're going to be It's going to be great to watch because they're, they're an exciting team to watch. But they're not going to beat a Milwaukee, the Nets, or the 76ers. I don't see it. Seen is Believe it. I don't see it.
they're gonna listen. They're gonna be represented. Listen, they're gonna rep- to me. They're gonna represent the Eastern Conference. But I will. I'm looking forward to that matchup between them in in Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Championship. I don't think the Seventy Sixes or the Brooklyn Nets, especially the Brooklyn Nets, this season is the Brooklyn Nets. To me, the Brooklyn Nets are, are out. There's too much drama, too much chaos going on mid-season, and you expect Steve Nash to try to solve all this to put the pieces together. It ain't about Steve Nash. It's about Kyrie not being able to play in home games. All right. That's what it comes down to. If you can't have your star, your second-star player playing every single game, I just don't see how they're going to expect to come out the East. That's the point. So if your stars are not all aligned and they're all not playing, it's going to come down to coaching to get them to that next level. No, it's going to come down to Kevin Durant, especially if they play the Bulls. Why do you think Kevin Durant Kevin Durant ship the team to get to Kevin the, Durant. Where does Kevin Durant let anybody? Kevin Durant going to be enough to get him over the hump against the Bulls. When nah, has Kevin Durant nah, ever been enough? Nah, he, probably, he ain't going to be enough to get him past the Bucks, but he'll be enough to get him past the Bulls because that's your peak to come out the East. <laughs> when has Kevin Durant ever been enough? Stop it. When? Stop it. Show me. If his foot is not on that line last year, they move on here, and the Bucks not even holding that trophy up. They lost. Let's be honest. They are. They lost. And that was without Kyrie. Just saying. L. And Jane Harden was playing a little above average. Mediocrity.com. Your guy, Houston. But. Ain't my guy. <laughs> That's what it is. Kyrie and James Harden won't ever win a championship with cool. the way they play ball. They don't play winning basketball. No, and I've been it, saying this it, for years. It's isolation basketball. It's not, not going to happen. It's, it's, it's Kyrie, Kyrie benefited playing with somebody like LeBron James, mm-hmm. and that's why he got him a ship. That's it. But I want to talk about these Pels before we end the show. The Pels made the deal before the trade deadline. You get C.J. McCollum. And you also got Lance Steven. You got Tony Snell part of that deal, too. Obviously, they traded um, Nikhil Walker-Alexander. They traded... Um, they traded another player in it with that trade too. But the Pels look a little different with CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum has come in here and is averaging 26 points these last four games. Now they only won one game out of these four games since CJ's been here. But CJ has been an immediate impact to this team mm-hmm. offensively for this team. What do you think the Pels need to do when it comes now to Zion Williamson? What is the direction the Pelicans need to take now that they've made the trade for C.J. McCollum? And you can see that C.J. McCollum is an instant impact. The wins don't reflect it, but you can see the instant impact. What do the Pelicans do moving forward Zion Williamson? Trade him. You got to get rid of him, man. You got to move on. Um, Zion clearly shows that he is disinterested on what's going on with the team if he is not healthy. Um, When you think about how he spent the whole summer, away from the team, rehabbing, doing things on his own, instead of letting this organization put him in a, in a proper position to to come back and be healthy and put him on a strategic diet. He just don't want he don't want any part of it. Um, and these last six weeks, he has not been around the team. That is a clear indication that Zion does not want to be here. In my opinion, I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't think he wants to be here. I think that, you know, this injury that he has with his foot, has to be more serious than everybody is saying. Yeah. They just came out today and say, uh, and said that they think he has to have another surgery. Yeah, he does. And so I, I, I just don't know if Zion is equipped, um, to want to 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 be able to sustain an eighty-two game season going forward for the rest of his career. 
I mean, when you talk about since he's been in the league, he's missed uh, he's missed 117 games. He's only played in 85. So if you when you think about that, and that's your number one pick, and sort of be your franchise player. You got to move on. You got to make a business decision. I know David Griffin and Trajan Langdon. You want to hold on because you know what he could be. Right. But when you start talking about foot injuries and meniscus tears, back-to-back years, and he can't keep his weight under control, it's only going to get worse. He doesn't want to rehab with the team. He doesn't want to listen to the team doctors. He doesn't want to listen to anything that the Pels are advising him to do. So what you, you have to move on from that and try to get something in return. Now, with all this going on with his foot and 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 how and we don't know how serious it is, I don't know what they're gonna get in return in the offseason if they try to trade him. But if it was me, I'm definitely dealing him and I'm trying to get some good pieces, maybe some some picks and some assets to try to make this team better to go along with Brandon Ingham, CJ McCullum, you know, Herbert Jones and the rest of those guys. I, I would say this much. If I'm the Pelicans, I think he shut him down for the year. First and foremost, he in all speculation. Step in this speculation of he's coming back this season. You know, obviously you're trying to make this push for the obviously that for that playing tournament to try to come back and see if he could be healthy. You just nip this all in the bud. Shut him down. Just shut him down and come the offseason, you sit down and have a real conversation with him and his camp and his team and let him know, listen, this is our direction moving forward. You shut him down, you make sure he's healthy, and you know, you just you put a strategic plan in place to let him know, hey, listen, where do you think you want to be and where do you think you want to play basketball? You're moving on. You got C.J. McCollum. You got Brand- you got B.I. And you sit down and have a conversation with Brandon Ingram and let him know that that's what, brother, this is your team now. This point moving forward. I mean, it's been his team. It's been his team. Because Zion has not been available. It may have been his team from the locker room standpoint, but it hasn't been his team from the marketing standpoint. It has not been his team for – you know, in terms of media, in terms of everything that's around us, so that, that from the business side of this, uh, from the business side of this, it has not been his team. Sit down with him, tell him the truth. All the marketing, all the media, is about to start being pushed into you. You are the star here now. It ain't just a, a Zion Williamson billboard poster. You about to have one up there. That's what I mean. You need to let this guy know that all the marketing in the, in the media development is surrounding you now. It's about to surround you. And C.J. McCollum, this is your team. We're going to go as far as you bring us. And you need to raise your game and raise your heights to a level to show everybody in the league, not just yourself, into this organization, that you're one of the best players in this game. Because we cannot get to postseason competition, season after season, if you don't become a top 10 player in this league. You need to show that to him. You need to put that faith in him. More importantly, you got to put the media dollars behind it. And you move forward. Come the offseason. Look like look being truthful. I'm gonna be truthful. He got two buddies up there in New York. He wants to play in the big market. Send his ass up to the New York to the New York Knicks. Go play with Cam Reddish. Go play with RJ Barrett. Uh, Julius, come on down here. If I could get Julius Randle, if I can do, because they don't need him. If you get Zion and he's healthy, they don't need him. Bring Julius Randle back down here to New Orleans. You have a three-team punch with CJ McCollum, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram. You still got Valanciunas. And you, at that point in time, you start to figure out what if you, Willie Green is your guy, which I think he is. Mm-hmm. You start to put you start to put a bench around it now. Guys who could come in, in and out of games have a particular role, but you have your three. You have your star in Brandon Ingram, and you have your two other guys who can get buckets from the wing, from the guard position, and from the forward position. And you move forward. That's my take on it. You sit you sit Zion Williamson down. You tell him in his camp. Hey, listen. 
We appreciated your three seasons in the wars, whatever the case may be, from the media dots and we can sell tickets and everything else. But come next season, we're moving forward. Whether you want to be here with the team or you don't want to be, we're not going to stop you from being here. But overall, yeah. we're moving on. Yeah, they got some major decisions to make. And, and me, I'm just impatient. I can't keep on waiting and hoping, okay, no. you're going to take care of your body. You're going to keep your weight under control. No. You're going to start rehabbing with the team and stop going away for so long from the team. You know what? Stay over there. Let's just, in all this, in this marriage, let's trade you away. Let's try to get something in return that can make us a better basketball team and put you where you want to be, whether that's a bigger market or you want to play with certain players. Whatever it may be, Zion, let's make this happen in this offseason. Let's just move on because you holding this this franchise hostage. hostage. You're holding this hostage. And so that's that's what I mean by move on. What you do as an organization, you know what? You move on. You shut him down. You let his body get back healthy. Guess what? Come to offseason. You get some Drew Lee highlights of him and everything. Right? He moving around and all that. You know what I'm talking about, G-Sports. You put it out there. Hey, he can play. He can move around. Yeah, you know, in the Drew Lee and all this other stuff. Get some highlight rays in there. Yeah, I'm going to build your value back up. And guess what? I'm going to ship you off to an organization where I can still think that I can still get the best bang for my buck. But this is B, This is Brandon Ingram's team. But I think they need to tell him this. They need to really sit down here. We know he. this has been his team for the past two seasons, the way he's been playing. We got that part. But the media hasn't reflected it. The marketing dollars has not reflected it. You got to start. You go drive down right now, that I-10, and you see a big old billboard, a Zion Williamson, right there by the Smoothie King Center. All that comes down. Brandon Nigam goes up. CJ McCollum goes up. That's what I mean when you say it's his team. You don't walk around the city and not see billboards of Brandon Ingram. You don't walk around his team without seeing billboards of CJ McCollum in here and certain other guys. That's when you know it's his team. And there's no disrespect to Zion Williamson, but – he did, he did marketing-wise what this city needed after the trade of Anthony Davis and moving forward. He, he brought that instant impact. He had one good season here, which was last year. Last year he had a really good season for the games that he played. You move on. You sit him down, let him, give, let him spend his own money on his <coughs> camp, do what they got to do, and you move forward. Like I say, make sure he played in the Drew League or something like that. Make sure he showed that he'd be healthy. Call New York Knicks because I think he wants to be in the big market. And figure out what kind of players you can get in return that you can put around this team and you move forward and you make the next push. That's my take on it. And I think Zion Williamson moving forward, if he's in a bigger market and he stays himself healthy, I think they're gonna he's gonna be a heck of a basketball player. I think he's still gonna be an impact player because I think when he was on the court from what I saw, he was just hard to defend down there. But at some point in time, you gotta move on. And <coughs> I get it. What he can be for this team now, mm-hmm. it's exciting to want to see. It is. I get it. It is. If he was healthy and you're like, man, you got Brandon Ingram, you got Zion, you got CJ McCollum. Like, yeah, if, he, if he was healthy, if he was healthy, I think the Pelicans could be a top five team in the West. Top team in the West. It, it, it looks exciting, right? And you're like, I don't Especially know. Especially with the way Willie Green is, is coaching his team. I like his presence. Um, I like the way he's um, – I like the way he subs. Right. Um, I just think he's a great fit for this organization in this city, you know. But like I say, man, you know, every t- you know, all draft picks don't work out, right? And just I just hope that David Griffin and Treasure Lane don't try to hold on to him too long before we can get something in return for him. I, 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 for, for the teams, for the teams direction moving forward, I just think that, like, like for example, I use football as a position. Love Smith has firmly came out and said that we're getting rid of Deshaun Watson. He ain't playing with this. We ain't gonna joke around with this. He's not gonna be a Texan. We're gonna we're gonna move on. 
And what I'm getting at is that when you sit him down publicly, you don't have to come out here and ver verbally say and announce that we're moving on. But shut him down sends you the message that you're moving on. This hostage idea that he needs to have a second surgery. If the Pelicans in the playoff, in the playing tournament, they could win it. He could possibly come back. When I say you shut him down, you shut him down. I don't care if the Pelicans make the playoffs and the Pelicans make some historic <laughs> anomaly run in the postseason. He ain't playing. Right. And it's, 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 man, Zion can play. He's practice. He ain't going to practice with this team no more. He could be affiliated with the team, but all that other stuff, he's not suiting up. And that's the indication that you moving on. If he wants to be there for some of the guys that he's been in, he's a team. He's, he's part of the team. I'm never going to reject him from coming to this locker room. But overall, he ain't playing. And I think that that's what the Pelicans need to do with Zion Williamson. And you move on. That's my position on it. Agreed. You know. But guys, listen, that's our show. FanView Live, Real Fans Talk Sports each and every Thursday for noon p.m. Y'all got to stay locked in. Me and my man G Sports will be here each and every Thursday for noon. Coach Hurricane Ham will be here. So much to get into. So much going on in the world of sports. Basketball is now officially on now because football is like officially over with. But so much, to, you know, there's still going to be football news, football comments. Pete Carmichael is going to be now. We know he's the official offensive coordinator moving forward. What do you thought of if they're the high J group? Before we... The Saints? Yeah. I don't want it. I'm happy we didn't get it. Greg Olson. <laughs> but, okay, Greg Olson, man. But Pete Carmichael is going to be the OC, but I think I still want to bring old Greg Olson in at some what, sort of. What, I didn't see that. Pete Carmichael is going to be the OC. I, I didn't see that. I'm telling you. I saw it. I didn't see it. I showed you the report. I saw a report saying that he's going to step down. Not step down, but take a lesser role. That's what I saw. I saw a report saying he's going to stay the OC. He don't need to be the OC. <laughs> Greg Olson. That's, all, that's what we need to get. And that's because I'm stopping away still. Eric B. Enemy from the Chiefs. That's our show, guys. FanView Live, Real Fans Talk Sports. Don't forget to subscribe to FanView Live if you're on Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're here each and every Thursday. You did. I just seen the report of that shit. I seen you taking a lesser rule. <laughs> <laughs>